Hey guys. Happy day. How are how was your day today? Good. Great. The good? Yeah. Uh ready for the hockey tournament? Yeah. How many of you guys are doing hockey tonight? Yay. And, <laughs> and you're excited about it? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Man, I had a great day too, you guys. Great time with you. Um and I'm glad it's not over yet. We still have tonight and tomorrow morning. And um, with that said, guys, I want you to turn to two places. I don't know if you can do that in your Bible, but try to go to one, and then we're going to go to another one. But Romans 8, we're going to go to right off. And then we're going to end up, I think, in John chapter 15. So John's just a couple of books before Romans. So Romans 8 and then John chapter 15, if you want to just know where we're going. Guys, um... I, uh, how many of you guys know that verse, the theme verse? Anybody know that? Okay, John, John 17, 15 through 17, right? Okay, um, let's, let's just try it together um, because we're going to talk about part of that verse again tonight. So John 17, 15 through 17 says... but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of this world, even as I am not. It's truth. Excellent, you guys. Okay, we already talked about, like, who we are. We're not of this world. We talked about that, like, well, that we're, we're in the world, but we're not. We're different than the world. We've been changed now. We've, been, we've died. We've been buried. We've risen again with Jesus Christ. I mean, we're a whole different kind of person now. And then we talked about this morning, remember the, hey, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but, I, but Jesus says, I am praying, God, that you would protect them from the evil one. And now I hope we get in our heads, like, we don't protect ourselves from evil. We can't, remember? Only he can so we rely on him to be able to have victory through us for sin, over sin. But guys, I want to talk a little bit more about who we are, because we're talking about like how we're not part of the world, and we're not, we're not to sin. But what are we to do? You know, those are two negative things. Like We're not part of the world. We're not to sin. So what are we doing? What are we what are we becoming? What, what is God's plan for us now that we have been born again as a new creation? What's the deal? Is, it, is there a plan? Is there a purpose? And you guys, honestly, I would tell you this. All of us have maybe specific purposes that God has that's different for each one of us. Like specifically, like God has a plan for you to do this in life and God has a plan for you to do this in life. But you guys, there is an overall purpose for every single follower of Jesus. No matter what, all the little details and stuff that we're going to end up doing in life or not doing in life, God does have a plan for every single one of us. And it is to sanctify us. Do you remember that in the verse? Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify us. What does that mean? To sanctify. Guys, somebody brought it up to me a long time ago because I'm like, I don't know, it's a Bible word. What does it actually mean to sanctify something? You go, oh, it's to make something holy, but how does that look for us? And I actually got this idea from somebody. Let me try to get this chair right here. Can I get this one out? Yeah, just pop it right out. What is this? Okay. <laughs> what, is, what is chair meant for? Oh, you guys are so stinking good. Okay, so a chair is meant to sit on. This is what sanctify means. 
It means to be set apart to, to live out your purpose in life. That's what sanctified just means. It means to be set apart for your intended purpose. So this chair, I could use the same word. We think about it as just spiritual words and stuff like that, but here it is. Here's a chair. Is it being sanctified right now? No. It's not. Is it sanctified now? Yeah. Yes. Now it's, it's, I know chair's not alive, but now it's living out its purpose. Chair's going, oh good, I'm finally doing what I was created to do. Does that make sense? Sanctify means when, God, when Jesus says, hey, will you just sanctify these people? Will you just continue to make them what they are meant to be? So what are we meant to be? Romans chapter 8. Look at this, you guys. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is maybe a verse that some of you, maybe a lot of us, have heard before. It says this, And we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Ooh, purpose. We know, how many of you have heard that verse before? Somehow, some way, you know, hey, we know that all, God uses all things for the good for those that love him, who are called according to, purpose, to his purpose. Like, hey, we're, we have this relationship with him and God will use everything for what? Good. For good. Do you know how many times, you guys, I read that verse and I stopped reading at the end of verse 28? How many times I just take that verse out, I put it up on a wall, I just read it and go, oh, God's going to cause everything for the good. Well, who who's good? What's, what's good? I start thinking about what, sh what good should be. Oh, you know what? This is really hard. It's going on. But God's going to work it out. God's going to make the good come out of it. Something good will happen from this. But, but I think God's all the time going, will you keep reading? Because it's not what you think is good. It's what God says is good. And he even says, you've been called for a purpose. Keep reading. Everything in life, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, because for, look at the next word is, guys, verse 29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. That means he has a plan that nobody can thwart. It's, it's going to happen. He's determined. He's determined that it's going to happen. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed or shaped into the image of who? Of his son that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, that we would actually look like brothers and sisters of Jesus, that we would actually look like we belong in the family, that when people look at us, they say, you must be related to Jesus. Well, why are you saying that? Because you act like him. Because you're like him. Guys, when, God, when, when that verse says, and this, I hope you look at it every time you see it now. When it says, hey, everything that God, happens in your life, God will use for the good. Because he has a purpose for you, predetermined to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. 
to make you become more and more like Jesus. You guys know what I mean? I'm talking about patient like Jesus, loving like Jesus, obedient to the Father like Jesus, loving God and loving others like Jesus. That everything in your life is going to be for the good. What's the good? What's the good thing? To become like Jesus. Everything that happens in my life, God has a plan to use it somehow, some way to shape me and conform me, to make me become, to give me a chance to become more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what everything is for. I have found that he does it in three basic ways. If you want to write it down. Three ways that I see how God is using to sanctify us, to put us to our purpose, because our purpose is now to become like Jesus. And I see basically three ways. One is this. It says it actually in that, that passage that we looked at that you guys have memorized. Sanctify them, what? In the truth, your word is truth. So that's one way. In fact, I would say, I'm going to go the easiest to the hardest. That's actually the easiest thing I think that most of us deal with. It sounds really weird because I think it's hard at times, but it's simply going, when God, we read God's word, God tells us, Jesus tells us, God tells us how to live life, tells us what it looks like to live life like Jesus, right? Say, this is how you, this is how you can live like Jesus. And we simply, we trust him and we trust his word. And sometimes he tells us this way and you go, oh, that looks so hard, but Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend on you. I'm not going to argue with this. I'm going to depend on you to do this, but okay, your word, if I just follow that and I want to follow it, will make me become more like your son, Jesus. Okay, got it, got it. That's one way. There's a second way. And actually, because God is so determined to make us like Jesus Christ, his son, he's so committed to us, maybe even more than we're committed, that sometimes if we decide to not obey his word or something, you know, we go, oh, I don't know about this. God will do some things in our life to drive us to a place where we go, okay, okay, I give up. I'll follow this. He's determined. He's, he uses other things in my life, like things that I have no control over. I'll tell you one thing that he, that he used in my life that I, I don't even know how it's being used fully, but my dad died when I was 13 years old. I had no control over that. God did, didn't he? He did. He could have stopped it from happening. My dad died when I was 13. And God uses everything in my life, the good and the hard, in order to make me become more like his son, Jesus. I don't know where I would be today. I don't know, you guys. There's a lot of times that I prayed and I wished that God never took my father away from me when I was 13. But I do know this. I know this. I don't know how, but I know it that God used that to make me become more like his son, Jesus. Good, the hard, 
He moves you. You have no control over where you're moved to. Uh, you're, you're, a friend leaves. Somebody comes into your life. Somebody goes out of your life. Something happens that's hard. Something happens that's, that's fun. Something happens that you feel like it's really good and easy. Something happens, that, that whatever it is, whatever it is that's happening in your life, God is using it to make you become more like Jesus. If you'll let him. That's the second thing. That's a little bit harder. That's actually harder for me. There's a third way. God will even use the wicked things that other people do in your life to make you like Jesus. Write that down. Let that soak in. Because I go, okay, things happen in life, but it's not really like sin. It wasn't sin that my dad died. But there's other times in my life where somebody else doesn't want to follow God and they sin and they're, they're, they're sinning. And it's, sin is like a hand grenade. It affects that person's life. But I don't know if you've ever, ever noticed this, but sometimes it is like a hand grenade. It's like it explodes and all the shrapnel spreads out and hits everybody around the person. You make, that makes sense? Like it, it doesn't just affect the person. It affects other people too. Some people even purposely try to hurt you. They purposefully will try to hurt you. And we might think this, oh no, God's plan must not be able to happen. Oh no, this person ruined God's, ruined, has ruined God's plan. And God's going, are you kidding? That person's not more powerful than me. And I'm allowing them to choose me or not choose me. And yes, their sin has horrible effects, but I'm so powerful and I'm so wise that no matter what they do, it will not ruin my plan for you. I'm too powerful. They're not powerful enough. You guys get this? Get it in your head. Because it's true. And God even, even, this is crazy, can use what other people do in my life to not only, he can say, you know what, I'm not going to, that's not going to ruin my, ruin my plan for you. Sometimes God can even, well, every time he can, sometimes God even uses what the other person does to make you like Jesus. There was a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. Any of you guys hear the story of Joseph? Some of you in the church, maybe you've heard this. It's a guy, he had a bunch of brothers. His brothers hated him because he was dad's favorite. And one day his brothers got together and said, they actually said, we want to kill him. And then one of the brothers said, no, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a well and we'll figure out what to do with him later. And they take Joseph and they throw him into a, a pit into this empty well. And they're waiting there, wondering what they should do with their brother, because they just hate his brother. They just hate their brother. And these slave traders come by, and they go, oh, that's good. Let's sell, we'll even make some money. We'll sell him to these slave traders. We'll sell them, sell him into slavery. And so they do that. And now Joseph is a slave. Did he do anything wrong? His brothers did something very evil to him. 
And now he's a slave, and he goes to Egypt, and some guy buys him as a slave, puts him in his house, and Joseph is really faithful. In fact, so faithful that the, that the guy at the house says, you know what, I'm going to make you actually my head slave. I'm going to make you like the, 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 the head kind of slave in my, in my household. But during this time that he is now this guy's slave, the guy's wife really thinks Joseph is attractive and tries to get Joseph to sleep with her. Joseph says no. Did Joseph do the wrong thing? He did the right thing, right? He did the right. He said, no, how can I do this against God? How can I do this against my master? I can't do that. The wife gets so upset because she was rejected that when the guy came home, he tells her, she tells her husband that Joseph tried to rape her. Total lie. The guy has Joseph thrown into prison. Now he's in prison because of something else that somebody else did evil against him. And he's in prison for years. And then there was this couple of guys that had these dreams. And what was, what was good about Joseph, God gave him the ability to interpret these dreams. And he interprets a couple of dreams from, this one, from these couple of guys. One guy in particular, he says he was thrown into prison for whatever reason, and, and he was actually like in the, in the Pharaoh's court. And he says, hey, you're actually going to be restored. You're going to get out of prison. You're going to go back to be in Pharaoh's court. And he says, wow, that's incredible because of this dream that he had. And he says, hey, when you go there, will you remember me? Will you just mention me? Because I'm not in here for I didn't do anything wrong. And the guy says, oh, yeah, I'll never, I won't forget this. And the guy gets out of prison, and guess what? He forgets all about Joseph. And Joseph's in prison for even longer. Then finally, Pharaoh has some dreams. And Pharaoh can't, he can't even sleep at night. He's got these dreams that are just so vivid. He got like, I don't know what these mean. And he tries to get people to interpret the dreams, and nobody can interpret these dreams. And then this one guy finally, who's in Pharaoh's court, goes, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot all about this guy who was really good at interpreting dreams. His name is Joseph. Joseph comes out, stands in front of Pharaoh, interprets the dreams, and the dreams were really this, that there's going to be seven years of great, like, great crops and everything else. And then after that, it was going to be seven years of famine. So he says, hey, you know what? You should put somebody in charge to actually save up the food for the seven years so you can get through the other seven years. And Pharaoh goes, you seem like a great guy to do that. I'm putting you in charge. And they go through these seven years of good and then these seven years of horrible but they're ready for it because God put Joseph in the right place at the right time using horrible things to get him there. You getting that? Joseph actually sees it. In fact, his brothers actually come to Egypt because the rest of the world isn't ready for this famine. And the only place that has food is Egypt. And so the brothers actually come to Egypt. Long story short, now Joseph is, second, is the second most powerful person in Egypt. He's second only to Pharaoh. And they stand before Joseph, don't even recognize him at first. And they're asking and begging for food. Joseph finally comes out and says, it's me. And they don't celebrate because remember what they did. What's the last thing they did to him? 
They sell them into slavery. And now they're thinking, oh no, now it's payback time. Like Joseph's going to kill us. He's going to do something to us. He's going to sell us into slavery, whatever it is. And this is incredible. At the very end of the book, Genesis chapter 50, where this is all written, listen to this, what Joseph says to his brothers when his brothers are like, oh no, 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 Joseph, please don't hurt us. He says this, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Look, God wants to do something. God can do it. That's God's job. But he says, this is what happened. You intended to harm me. That's what your guys' intention was. Your intention was not good. You intended to hurt me. You intended to, to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. If it wasn't for what you guys did that got me to Egypt, that got me into prison, that got me to a place to interpret that guy's dream, to, got, to, to get to the place where that guy would stand before Pharaoh and then tell him that I could interpret dreams and get me in, out of prison and get me into this place where I could now help actually save food to not only save people's lives and feed people in Egypt, but save people and feed people throughout this whole area because of what you did. I can't believe Joseph actually sees it. Guys, God is the same God that he was there. He uses everything that happens in your life. Everything that happens in your life in order to ultimately make you become like who? Like Jesus Christ. He will put an enemy in your life. God will allow an enemy to come into your life. And he will say, you're welcome. And we're saying, why is this person in my life? And he says, because I want to make you become like my son, Jesus. And Jesus got to a place where they, he could even love those who hate him. He could even love an enemy. And how are you going to learn to love an enemy if you never have one? I'm going to make you like my son Jesus. Will you let me? Will you let me? So the thing really isn't about what God's doing. It's about us trusting him. Remember this morning I said the, the Christian life is not about trying. It's about trusting. John chapter 15, you guys, crazy. This is what we do. No matter what else has happened in our life, we, if we do this, we will be cooperating with God and the things that are happening in life will not be wasted. We might not see it for a while. We might not see the results. For Joseph, it was 17 years that he was going, why, God? 17 years. Right now, count 17 years in your life. How old are you? Just think about that. He didn't know for 17 years even. And he was about your age when he was sold into slavery. But God has a plan. He does. And nobody can ruin God's plan. 
and he asks you, will you do just a couple things? Will you trust me when I say something to you? Will you trust me when I do something in your life that, that you have no control over? And will you even trust me when other people in your life seem like they are ruining my plan for you? And know, and just know, and trust me that I am more powerful and more wise than that. And I love you. And I'm using everything to make you like my son, Jesus. Look at chapter 15 of John. You guys, it's, it's, Jesus puts it in this way, like this, this is what we do. He says, I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So he's going to give like this picture of what we do, how we get through anything in life in order to become more and more like Jesus. He says, I'm the true vine, my father's the gardener. And he's going he's gonna to bring out in a couple more verses that there's another piece of this illustration. But who's the gardener? God, the Father. Who's the vine? Jesus. Jesus is the vine. And then later on, he brings out that there's a branch. He says, there's also a branch that's on the vine. That's connected to the vine. And the branch, he says, that's you. We're the branch. Okay, in this illustration. There's also one more thing that he mentions, and he doesn't actually say what it is, but we should know what it is just because of the illustration, and it's the fruit. So you have the gardener who's planted the vine. Okay, that's it. You have the vine, and then you have a branch, and then at the end of the branch or on the branch is fruit. If you think, what's fruit? What's the fruit? What is the fruit? We're the branch. The reason why he doesn't say what it is, because I think it's, it's, actually, it's supposed to be obvious, if any, if any of us were farmers, which a lot of people were. Uh, an apple tree produces what? Apples. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Apple tree produces apples. You don't even have to be a great farmer. A grapevine produces? Stop it. A grapevine produces? Grapes. A Jesus vine produces? Jesus. An apple tree produces apples, a grapevine produces grapes, a fig tree produces figs, a Jesus vine produces Jesus. The life of Jesus. So that when people see us and they see what's growing, what's coming out of us, what we're producing in life, what people can see in our life, they go, you must be connected to Jesus. You must be. Because I see the life of Jesus coming out of you. Look at this. Look, we'll just go down, skip down to verse 4. It says, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Stay connected. I remain. Stay connected to me. Be dependent upon me. He goes, as I remain in you, I'll stay connected to you. You stay connected to me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. This is just simple, you guys. But I want you to remember this picture. This branch, I just broke it off right before this. It's dead and it doesn't know it yet. Is this, if this was a fruit tree branch, is this going to produce fruit? It's not. Because it's not connected to the trunk anymore. It's not connected to the thing that actually produces fruit in it. He says, that's why he says, you got to stay connected to me. And I'll stay connected to you. 
But he says, if you don't stay connected to me, you won't bear fruit. If you stay connected to me, you will. You will see the life of Jesus coming out of you. And then he says, look what he says in verse 5. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When Jesus, the, the three things that happen, when God tells us in his word, here's how I want you to live. Here's what I want you to just, how I just want you to live. Would we just do this? I trust you. I'm going to stay connected to you. I'm not going to fight it. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to stay connected to you. He even says in verse 10, look at that. If you keep my commandments, my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. If I tell you, don't fight it, just go, you know what? I trust you. You know what you're talking about. And as we do that, our life will become more and more, will show more Jesus through our lives. When those things happen in our life that we have no understanding of, you move, you lose a job, you, you, you get a job, you go, you, I don't know, you, you, something happens and you, you make the sports team or you don't make the sports team or you, something, whatever happens in your life that just happens. Jesus says, will you just remain in me? Hang in there, stay connected to me. Don't leave me. And you'll bear fruit. And when other people, even in our lives, do things in our lives that we have no understanding of, we're going, this is even horrible. This is terrible. I don't even get this. Jesus says, will you just stay connected to me? Just stay connected to me. Do you notice that there's no command to bear fruit? We're never commanded to become like Jesus. We're told that God will make us like Jesus. And we're told to remain in him or to abide in him or stay connected to him. And if we do that, then we become like Jesus. I am so tempted when things happen in my life to disconnect myself from God, to disconnect myself from Jesus and try to handle it on my own. Or because I don't understand. I just go, I I don't know. Can I really trust you? And Jesus, like he says, when we came to him for the first time and says this, look, you know what? I know there's things in your life. I won't necessarily give you everything you want, but I'll give you everything you need. I won't tell you everything you want to hear. I'll tell you everything you need to hear. And I'm telling you, you can trust me. Nothing and no one can undo my plan for you. Nothing and no one can undo my plan for you. In fact, I'm so powerful, I can, if I choose, even use the things that happen in your life, no matter what they are, to actually make you like Jesus, if you just stay connected. When you guys go home tomorrow, and some of you are like, oh man, how's it going to be at home? Just stay connected to Jesus. Keep trusting him. Trust him. Trust what he says. 
Trust what he does. Trust what he doesn't do. He knows what he's doing, you guys. You can trust him even more than you trust yourself. But that's how it's done. Stay connected to him. Stay in relationship with him. Let me pray for us. God, oh God. Again, it's not that hard, but it's hard too at the same time. You're, you're not telling us to bear fruit. You're not telling us, hey, make sure you make yourself like my son, like my son Jesus. You already said you're going to use everything, and you're the one that's going to shape us like your son Jesus. You're the one that's going to use your word and other things and even other people to shape us to be like your son Jesus. God, you, you just ask us to stay connected to your son, our master, who loves us, who's committed to us, and will remain in us as we remain in him. So, oh God, I just pray you keep showing us what we can do to just stay in prayer with your son Jesus and read what he says to us and stay in relationship with him and not leave him, even when it's the hardest thing, even if we have to go through something like Joseph did. Throughout that whole thing, he decided, I'm staying with God. I'm staying with God. I'm staying with God. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this is going to work. I trust him. God, that we would do that too with your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.